Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 213 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Bit in shock. Chelsea continue their win streak, three on the trot. Scored four goals, which I was just looking a minute ago. We haven't scored over four goals in a game since April 9th, 2022 against wow. Southampton. We beat we beat six uh, Southampton six nil that day. Um, so it's been a long time. It's it's I'm happy. The boys are buzzing. Uh, we go into a long break now. Hopefully, one or two guys can get some fitness and rest back in their system before. Uh, the real matches start, I guess you could say, against uh, the likes of Arsenal. So, yeah. um, positive, positive there. Absolutely. Hopefully, Reese James can actually play some football at some point this season. That would be nice for my fantasy team, for sure. Um, all right, records from last week, Matt. You have those, I presume. Yep, uh, mixed, mixed uh, for me and Zach. We went four and six. Evan top dog seven and three. Yep. St- stood above the rest mighty tall. Uh, that puts you catching up to us. You're 45 and 35. Zach is 47, 33, and I'm st- still in the lead, 49, 31. So eight weeks in, and we're all super positive. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, all right. I suppose we can jump into the games. Uh, we had the first game of the week on Saturday. The early one was Luton Town versus Tottenham. This one ending 1-0 in favor to Spurs. Uh, Tottenham started off really early when Kulisevsky played the ball across from the wing to a shakily marked Rich Arlison. He beat his defender, but unfortunately blew it wide and high of the goal. Uh, Luton were lucky. Uh, to get away from this little run of play, uh, still level at nil-nil. A minute later, Nakamba, marvelous Nakamba that is, was dispossessed in the midfield. Ball found its way shimming up the center where it wound up at the feet of, once again, Richarlison, who was just kind of not marked. Uh, he took time to settle, but the Luton keeper did quite well to deflect the ball out of danger with his left foot. This was what you would qualify as a sitter, and Richarlison was unfortunately just not able to get it to go. Uh, Poro missed a couple more times in that stretch. Or in that stretch, Son and Poro linked up really well throughout the entire game. I thought um, in the twenty-first, Mr. Brown for Luton hit the side netting with a strike. He just sort of had a minute and decided, you know what, I fancy this. Let's let's take a chance. Uh, and then in the thirty-eighth, Tom Lockyer had the ball in the back of the net after a scramble, uh, but the referee blew it off. Uh, I don't know if there was a foul in the buildup or if it was actually qualified as offside. Um, watching through, like when I was watching the game, I, I heard the whistle and then Tom Lockyer just rolling around on the ground and I wasn't, I went back to work. I wasn't paying attention to what happened, but uh, clearly something. In the 48th, this is a moment of note, Basuma ranged forward, but was booked for simulation after going down a little easy uh, right on the inside of the box. He was already on a yellow, so this was his second yellow. He gets sent off, and then they had no choice but to play the final 45 without one of their midfield talismans really so far this season. Uh, the, the challenge itself, there wasn't all that much in it. In it. I think you really have to know better uh, than to go down there, but there hasn't been all that many simulation yellows so far this season. So I guess you can't really blame him uh, for, for trying in the 46th. Uh, there was some, some really nice buildup from, from Luton. Ogbene played a ball across the Adebayo. He unfortunately missed the best chance that they had all game. Uh, and then the goal came in the 51st. A short corner was played to Madison on the end line. He slipped the defender and squared the ball to a waiting Mickey Vandeven, who was open in the area. He rifled it right at the keeper, and it bounced in. 1-0 to the 10-men Spurs. Uh, a few more chances, really, there on out. Luton weren't, weren't terrible on the counter, to be fair. They just couldn't put their chances away. Uh, I thought Dowdy, Morris, and Lockyer all put themselves in decent positions throughout the day, and the balls over the top were definitely threatening uh, to a Spurs who were a little bit uh, hamstrung by just being down to 10 men. Unfortunately, there was just not enough clinicality in that side, uh, and that's really kind of something we're seeing week in and week out. So Spurs escaped with 10 men, three points top of the table technically. Uh, Arsenal are level on points, but Spurs have us on goal differential. 
Not even goal differential. You guys are tied there. It's for it's broken up by goals. Oh, is it four. goals four? Yeah. Yeah. So they have two more goals scored than you, but you guys have conceded two less. So, but still, we'll have to wait and see. You guys both unbeaten. You yep. guys already played each other and drew. Then Zach was saying the yesterday joke, and he said, "I hope they stay undefeated until they play each other again." <laughs> yeah. I double checked when you guys play again. It's the end of April. So okay. if that, that's a long way. Um, if that ends up being true these two teams are going to be dominating everybody so yeah. i don't know if man city will keep up with that but for luton's sake it ultimately comes down to their shooting as you as their offense as you mentioned looking here they they average the lowest shots on target per game with only 2.3 shots per game they average in the middle of the league there with 12 a little over 12 on t- t- uh, shots in total but they're just not clinical up front. They lack that the the chance creation from their midfield to get the ball out wide and whip crosses in. But most teams are are conditioned to defend those well. It just comes down to those quick one twos breaking down the lines easier, and they just don't seem to have that in there in the locker room at the moment. Ross Barkley made a substitute appearance here. Yeah. He was he was brought in kind of as that that type of guy. We saw him do it at Everton a while ago, and then that's why he went to Chelsea, but never got a true chance. So uh, other than him, it's like there's not much going on. And for Tottenham, they squeak out of this. They squeak out of a bad um, position, being 10 down a whole half and get three points when they need to. And that's what uh, top teams do. They find a way to win. The, uh, the team's playing well. Postacoglu isn't rotating his team hardly ever, which is something good because these guys every game are building more and more chemistry, and it seems like everybody likes playing the other two. And it seems like Richarlson isn't going to get that top number nine spot back uh, for a long time, coming with the way Sun's playing and leads the team at the nine. So uh, good result for them. Luton need to find a different way and get into this international break thinking about that next match when... Um, they have to get those three points. I don't even know who they're playing against that upcoming game. I could not tell you. It's a uh, forest. They're playing forest. So oh, that's right. de- definitely one they're looking to get something out of. All right. Tell us about Fulham three Sheffield United one. I'm, I'm hearing this was a, I mean, I saw the highlights, but um, William, this was like some sort of masterclass game. Yeah. I'd first like to say um, condolences and, prayers for chris Basham. oh man that was gnarly that injury tim ream was approaching him to block the cross and the way basham positioned his body to whip the ball and put an immense amount of pressure on his ankle and um it just it just cracked on the spot uh it was one of those danglers just (laughs) tim ream was there to comfort him and saw you saw different angles on uh social media from the other side on a fan's perspective it was it was very bad. They had to give him some oxygen because he was in such shock and disbelief. But yeah, first start well off that prayers to him and his speedy recovery. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the team couldn't get the result for him. And at Fulham, I, we were thinking this would be a, a shaky one for them after coming yeah. off a, a poor showing from Chelsea. But they, they get the job done in the 53rd with De Cordova Reed scoring from a, a Pereira assist. Uh Sheffield did equalize off an Anthony Robinson own goal, unfortunately from me. Took some points away on my fantasy, but yeah. that's okay. And then uh, they got their own goal for themselves there. Fulham scoring, I think a shot off the bar, hit on the back of Fodderingham and went in. Ultimately was the winner. And then as you mentioned, William in stoppage time, every once in a while pops up and shows his magic, unless he's playing red for Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he secures the W So at the cottage. So Fulham going into this break with a Nice little win, boost the confidence, keep them in 12th position there after going two games without a win and also without scoring a goal. So they can be happy about this. Uh, Jimenez didn't even start in this game as well as he didn't even make an appearance. So it seems like that might be the solution for them going forward. Also, Iwobi got a start there too. Yeah, which is good. I mean, the acquisition of Iwobi, I thought, uh, maybe in the off season, it was kind of a late, late thing that happened, but, and it was very quiet, obviously him leaving Everton, but I think it's, it's the right thing, um, for sure for them to be bringing in young creative midfielders. I think that's great, especially with how stale things, uh, tend to get at Fulham, especially last season, it got a, a bit, a bit stale, uh, when you didn't see Mitrovic on the pitch. I think Vinicius is, is definitely a player they can use in there in the forward role, Instead of uh, Raul Jimenez, who we've we've mentioned many times, is cooked. Uh, I think you know Fulham may be looking onto brighter things, and 
hopefully Iwobi can be a considerable part of that. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say one more thing on Chef. Yeah. And they're, they're dead last now, only securing one point. Uh, and then they've given up 22 goals can, and scored six. Oh. That They lead the league in both uh, shoot the amounts of shots per game they average, 8.9. Everybody else is in double digits. And then defensively, they give up the most shots per game, averaging 22 shots against a game. So Crazy. those are those are two stats you don't want to lead in those categories, or or vice versa, be the worst at. So it seems, and they've played every every type of competition in this league between playing Luton and Everton, and then playing obviously the top dogs like like um, who they played Liverpool and all them. So. Yeah, it's it's tough for Paul Heckenbottom with his team and the growing list of injuries. Uh, we saw Aaron Trusty get a start here, and he didn't play too bad for himself, the former Philadelphia Union Academy guy. So uh, nice for him on a personal note, but it's a dire situation for them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to something a little less dire. In fact, quite joyful. Jubilation for Chelsea. Uh, yeah. Their first genuinely good match of the Pochettino era. Uh, you could probably argue the one-one with Liverpool maybe was a good match as well. Three uh, Luton, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. But it's Luton. Uh, an offensive explosion at Turf Moor from Potch's mob saw Chelsea make a very comfortable three points for themselves. Um, despite Chelsea being the better team on the day, they were actually the team to concede first. But that wasn't before Sterling made a lovely solo run down the left flank of the thirteenth and cut in for an effort on goal. He curled it just wide. Um, but that was really lovely attacking play from him. Uh, who was, he was just left off the England squad as well, and he took it quite personally because he was involved in pretty much every goal Chelsea scored. Uh, in the same minute against that run of play, Lyle Foster broke down the middle against Chelsea and found Otto Bear on the left side of the 18. He played the ball. He played with the ball at his feet for a minute, but decided to have a shot on goal. He fired one of the lowest, slowest P rollers I've seen in some time into the bottom right corner of the net. Uh, and, and surprisingly, I thought beat Bobby Sanchez with just like 32 shot power. That was nasty. Um, about 20 minutes later in the 36th, Sterling worked his way close to the net, fired it right at Trafford. Five minutes later after that in the 41st, Sterling broke down the left flank, tried to cross. It actually bounced off a Burnley defender. That was, of course, Al Dakil, uh, went up right into the air and fell across the line. That was a very, very strange deflection, but Raheem was awarded for his really good positive play so far in the game. He needed to get one to go, and while it was awarded a known goal, that one all comes from uh, Mr. Raheem Sterling. In the 48th, a penalty was awarded, and Cole Palmer opened his Chelsea account. Well done from Sterling, of course, to draw the penalty, and a great finish from Cole Palmer as well. In the 54th, Odo Bear had another chance, but he was denied after cutting into the center and firing from the outside of the box. I noticed at this point that Cucurella was giving way too much room here to pretty much everybody he was guarding, but it was a great save from Sanchez, so no issues. Uh, in the 64th, my fantasy midfielder, Connor Gallagher, played a lovely pass into a breaking Raheem Sterling, who also had his man beat. Calm finish to the right side of the net where Trafford just couldn't do anything in the 1v1. This was the best I have seen Raheem Sterling in a long while. Uh, this reminded me of even like not even City Sterling, like Liverpool Sterling, where he was just carving up the flanks. Uh, and then again in the 73rd, uh, he broke down the left flank, squared the ball to Cole Palmer. He elected to go back towards the left side, gave it to Nico, Jans Nico Jackson, who instead of uh, <clears throat> you know just calmly finishing away, decided to take a couple of touches Maybe blow the chance, but shockingly, he finished um, despite looking like a deer in the headlights. 4-1 to the mighty Chelsea. Sterling, MVP of the match. Rest of the team looked good. I think Axel DeSassi looked really good. Played a couple of just unreal lob through balls in from the back line. And I think overall, Chelsea looked more like the Chelsea we would have expected. Yep. Starting with Burnley. They're now in the relegation zone, 18th. They, in eight games, have yet to keep a clean sheet. And, yeah, it doesn't look good for company uh, when you're, you're struggling against all the competition like this. Uh, fortunate you got that squeaky win over Luton in the previous matchup. But, yeah, it seems like that back line is sketchy. The midfield can't seem to 
keep up with the others in the league and then everything runs through Lyle Foster up there. He doesn't seem to be having an issue with the Prem. I think he's got uh, five or six goal contributions now, which is uh, almost all their goals in general, seven of them. He's been involved in over half of them. So without him, it's pretty bleak, but it's positive for Chelsea there. Get another big win. They're now 11th in the table with 11 points, only only uh, three points outside of the Europeans' positions, and it's good. Um, the sketchy thing you could say is we've scored 11 this year. Seven of them have come against Luton and Burnley, so we've technically only scored four goals in the other six against uh, more more seasoned Premier League op- uh, opposition. So that could be an issue as well as Sterling's only two games are against the newly promoted teams. Every other team, he just blanks. But um, yeah, I mean, three results in a row, three big wins. One of them being against Brighton is huge as well. That's been a monkey on our back for a while um, with all the business being done with them. And this is without a lot of our key first team players. We got Kukarel playing out of position, Levi Call out of position. Um, you got you got guys like Cole Palmer instantly getting thrown in the deep end because of everybody else's fitness not being there. So yeah, we can go up from here. It's uh it's good this break is here now before the big Arsenal match, which I'm sure everybody's looking forward to. But it's a it's a it's a big statement game because if we get if we get uh, embarrassed out there, then it's a big blow to Pochettino. And I'm sure it's, he's thinking it's massive, obviously, with his ties to Tottenham. He's really looking forward to this game and wanting to get one over on his former rivals and still big rivals with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, if if we took anything from Arsenal and City, which we will get to, that, the way that Arsenal played against that rival was not the way they play against anybody else. So I'm hoping we don't, that's not what we see. We see more of the wing play instead of that narrow stuff where they try and close down all the space in the midfield. Because if they try and play like that, go back and, and just like tighten it up and play that, that sort of block style, um, teams are going to have a better chance of breaking us down in there, I think. So um, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to Arsenal, Chelsea, however many weeks away, two weeks away now. Um, but yeah, that's I want to talk about that when we get to Arsenal and City too. Um, okay. Manchester United versus Brentford. Uh, stinky little Manchester United get another three points that they absolutely did not deserve against Brentford. Uh, first half hour was very quiet. Uh, Old Trafford fell silent in the 25th minute when United failed to clear a ball out, then bounced to Matthias Jensen, who fired a low and quite pedestrian shot at the United goal where the expensive ogre Andre Onana lives. Onana jumped over the shot and failed to get enough body or glove on it, and so it squeaks right under him and into the net. You can't even def- like you can't fault the defense all that much here. This is an easy save to make. Should they have cleared it? Yes, probably. But should this have been saved? Yes, absolutely. I've seen high school keepers make this save. It's a low bouncing ball. It's it, it's easily savable. You get your body in front of it. But his positioning was poor. His save was even poorer. Terrible one nil to the bees. Uh, United responded nicely in the 36th. Rashford beat three Brentford men close to goal, but went near post. Strakosha was right there to deny him in the 37th. And Buemo wasted a good chance and blew it wide when he could have made Brentford go two nil up. Uh, Erickson in the second half, you started to see United really get desperate. They were trying a lot of long range shots. Erickson being one of them, he fired it from range, went right at Strakosha. He bobbled it, but his defenders were there to clear the line. Uh, in the 54th, United were very fortunate to not concede again because of Johnny Evans, uh, who was there to clear the line. It was very helter skelter at this point. Uh, in the 75th, Garnacho had a chance. He went just over the bar on a nicely worked bit of play out on the left flank. And then in the 88, things started to get weird. United had the ball in the back of the net, but it was ruled offside. Four minutes later, Scott McTominay's music started to play. A goal. Garnacho squared it across. Ball bounced about. Wound up with the substituted Scott McTominay, who made a great touch and blasted it into the bottom corner. Past Strakosha. And then four minutes later, in Fergie time, after, unfortunately, Sir Alex lost his wife this, uh, this week, mm-hmm. things just clicked. Uh, Maguire went up for a header, nodded it to McTominay, and McTominay finished again. One of the latest doubles from the bench I have seen uh, in my whole life 
That was it. Complete disaster. Brutal for the bees. Old Trafford erupted uh, as all three points were secured. And I will say, what a scene. Even for somebody that hates United, especially this United, it does fill you with a little bit of, of warmth. You know, good on McTominay and McGuire, who have both been just, by me as well, slandered. <laughs> you know, McGuire is a good player, regardless of what we say about him. He's been very, very good throughout his career. And McTominay is in great form for Scotland right now, actually, internationally, uh, and has done a job when he's been called on. So really kind of nice to see those two guys who've gotten so much hate uh, be the ones to link up and, and get this three points that United needed so badly. Yeah, tough pill to swallow for Brunford now. Six straight games without a win. They're sitting 15th right now. Only one win on the season. They've scored 11 goals but given up 12. This is an area I didn't think we'd be seeing uh, out of them at the moment, but they're, they're competitive in every match. It's not like they're getting blown out. It just comes down to those clinical moments when they need to keep teams out, kill their hope. They can't seem to find that goal to really punish them. So that's ultimately what killed Thomas Frank and them here uh, with two late ones. That's a tough scene. But United, again, they didn't really show much in the in the first 80-some minutes. They, they always play a little better when they have to chase the game, it seems like. They're not ones to be good leaders when they take leads, um, even though the record is pretty good when they lead games. But still, you don't find them in that situation very often recently. Um, Mount, once again, still trying to find his feet in this team. It's heavily getting run through Bruno Fernandez. He looked better Hoyland, too. Yeah, Hoyland again wearing that number nine, still yet to to score um, in the league. And Onana again having his mistakes, and potentially he's saying he's not going to be going to the African Cup of Nations with Cameroon. I think he's had issues with the coach and staff itself, but I think with all these mistakes going on, he wants to stay at the club and just improve on what he's done so far. So just like Chelsea, they're getting wins where they need them to just pick up the morale and go into an international break, um, rest in some guys, and hopefully getting some of those defenders back from uh, injuries. And we did see Anthony make an appearance. Yep. He un unbleached his hair, he's back to normal, and that's a good sign seeing where he was a month ago to where he is now. Yeah, I think he took the bleach out. The, his hair was too white. All the blood from the women he was beating was on it. Oh, okay. That's what football Twitter said. I don't know. Well, um, the fact that the club's, <laughs> the club's willing to yeah, play yeah. him on the field and wear it, I think they're they're pretty certain he's in the clear. I, I think so, too. Um, okay, let's move on. Everton 3, Bournemouth nil. Uh, this was one of the stinkier games of the week. Uh, we saw Everton handedly defeat Bournemouth. Uh, my underrated, underappreciated player last week, or whatever we know, best player of the week was James Garner. Uh, and of course it was him in the seventh who picked the ball up in the center of the park after a Bournemouth defender slipped, uh, while he had possession of the ball. Garner moved his way calmly to the danger area with two players on either side of him, but opted to rifle a shot himself. He ripped one to the right side and beat Neto. Glory, glory to James Garner. He is on fire at the moment. In the 17th, Neto made a great save to deny a deflected Ducore strike. Uh, and then in the 36th, one of the goals of the weekend, Jack Harrison put a lovely boot on a recycled ball from the Bournemouth defense. It fell to him about 30 yards out, and he just drove it with the right loft right above Neto, bar down, absolute beauty. 2-0 for Everton. Uh, we should say Jack Harrison played his college soccer in the United States, so that's a win for us. Uh, what an arrival for Jack Harrison here, and what a haircut. His hair was looking crisp. Uh, in the 46th, DCL hit the crossbar after some lovely play and a great cross-in from 57-year-old Ashley Young. In the 46th, again, Onana just nicked it, right nicked a post and went wide after some unbelievable dribbling and shielding in the penalty area. Uh, he was great on the day. Ducore finally got one to go in the 59th. Three goals at Goodison. A cross-in found Harrison, who headed right at the Bournemouth keeper. The defender was also right next to him, so there was two guys standing on the line. But it came out to Ducore in the 6th anyway, who wound up as hard as he possibly could and smashed the second chance into the net. Well-deserved and well-done by him to stay with the play. He is tenacious. 
in the 63rd DCL chipped the keeper, but he was held off by the defender and just couldn't get to the long, uh, the long touch over him to, to finish it. And Janu like generally Bournemouth just had no offensive presence. Uh, we saw this last week against Arsenal. They lost four nil. Couldn't really muster any sort of presence up top. Uh, but this was also very well done from Everton here at home where they've been suspect to say the least. Yeah, for some reason, I enjoy watching Everton when they're half decent, um, which is kind of a dumb thing to say. Ducore makes them fun, really fun to watch. Yeah, there was just something about them. They were enjoying their football. The fans were backing them late or early in the second half. It was just a good atmosphere in the stadium. It seemed like Everton had a grasp on the game the entire time. And Bournemouth just couldn't find any type of, of connection during the whole game with the, anybody in the squad. Um, yeah, Ducori is that, that driving force holding in behind DCL. He's scored for fun and is attacking well. Harrison's a great option on the right. It allows other players not to have as much stress on them. The back line played strong. Warren asked too many questions of them, as well as Pickford didn't have to make any worldly saves. So positive result there. Two wins out of three. Gets them three points clear of the drop. Um, finding their second win, I believe their first at home. So, yeah, it's great signs for them. And for Bournemouth, still, just like Sheffield, haven't found a win yet. They've they've scored the least amount of goals as well, only five, conceding 18. I was on the train early in the preseason that this, this uh, Iriola guy wasn't going to last. And uh, we'll see how long he's got on the clock from Michael Michael B. Jordan and, uh, and the boys in the ownership group. So, um, was it Bill Foley? That's the Bill owner Foley, of the, yeah. the, the Vegas Knights? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Golden Knights, yeah. So we'll see how long they give them, because um, obviously time is money in this league, and the more games they have for a new manager to come and work with, the better. So we'll see. Maybe if it's before Thanksgiving, if the results continue. But yeah, it's not looking bright for them. They brought in a few new players in the defense who seem okay, but still haven't found their form yet. As well as they have a bit of injury issues up front, and as well as too many options. So we don't know who's going to play every week on those wings. Uh, a big result for Everton and Sean Dice keeps the morale up and for Bournemouth, sad times there in the dungeon. Yep. Um, okay. Crystal Palace versus Nottingham Forest. Uh nil nil final score. No Eze for the Eagles, and you could absolutely feel that. Uh there's only a couple of really like decent chances, concrete chances to talk about. One of them was in the twentieth when Gibbs White latched onto a lob through a ball from the defense. Unfortunately, just could not get enough on it to lob Johnston. He hit it with like his ankle popped up. Um, he did well enough, Johnston, to get back to it and keep the danger off. Uh, Gibbs White did hit, he hit the post. It was very close, but uh, it seemed like Johnston was comfortable enough uh, to just let it bounce off the post and back into his hands. Uh, not, a, not a lot of urgency there. I was a little bit frightened by that. Uh, in the 46th, this was one of the best dribbling displays I've seen so far this this year. Murillo skilled past the entire defense. It was like a 60-yard run. He started all the way back, uh, skilled past the defense, had a shot on net, but blew it right at Johnstone. I mean, just just fucking get over it and pass it into the bottom right corner. Or even if you want to go to the left side, or through his legs, do that. But don't play it up in the air when he has enough time to move his hands. That was so foolish. They could have taken all three points on that on that chance. Um, at the end of the first half, Nottingham were definitely the be better team. Uh, and the Murillo chance just it had to go. It just didn't. Uh, Palace had a chance in the 62nd. Edward played to Mateta on the counter, but Mateta couldn't get over it. Just sort of squeals it, scuffs it wide. Great play from Tyreek Mitchell. Clean sheet on the weekend. Shout out Tyreek uh, to get the ball where it needed to be. There was a deflection in the 77th off of Anderson from Montiel. Uh, this one could have gone as well if Johnston didn't judge the bounce right, but uh, Anderson was there to, to make sure that didn't even become a problem. There was not many more chances after that. Uh, a lot of good play spoiled by deflections. Uh, Nottingham Forest will not be upset with a point here. Uh, but they probably deserved all three. I think Edward got trapped in the midfield a lot with Noeze. And you can see that they're missing some of their creative players. No Elise, no Eze. They're going to be looking forward to getting those guys back. And I'm sure 
Um, you know, the international break helps, but they're st- they still have some time before those guys can get back on the pitch. Yeah, they're saying Alyssa should be back come the return of from international break, but still may not be ready to make a full 90-minute appearance. And then Eze is set to be out until Thanksgiving. So that's that's including their next four matches in the league, which they play at Newcastle, they host Tottenham, they travel to Burnley, and then they host Everton. And so he'll be set to make a return potentially against Luton away. So we, we saw in this game against a Forest team that is a lot better from last year, but still isn't one of those top half teams overall. And they, they, they couldn't get any clear opportunities to score on Matt Turner here. So what they'll do against it's the likes of Newcastle and Spurs is not looking good for me or in my mind. Um, defensively, they're still sound. Sam Johnson is putting in a great start of the season, as well as Guayhi and Anderson seem like a great partnership in the back. Uh, the midfield is where they're lacking, where, the, where their injuries are. Lerma should be back in their next matchup as well as Ducore, so that should prove some some slot, uh, a solid midfield bunch. And the front three and Edouard Mateta and I are going to have to find a way to get one or two goals to nick some wins. And until then, it's going to be kind of sketchy, as you mentioned. They only had eight shots credited on the day, and only two of them on target. So, um, And then Forrest, I was surprised Noah Wanyi. Well, Chris Wood made the start, yeah. did, did his thing, not he's, much. He's got a knock. He's going to be out for a while, apparently. Yeah, so they're they're in the same boat as Palace. They're one of their keys. They're the, the their key scorer is out. They're gonna have to find a way to live without him, and that's what the, they brought in the likes of Alanga mm-hmm. and Callum Hudson Odoi for to to add that creativity. So I think both teams will be fine this year, but we'll we'll have to somehow scrap out one nil wins. Yeah. All right, on to a Brighton versus Liverpool. This started Sunday, which was quite a Sunday for Premier League fans worldwide. Um, in the 20th minute, Liverpool got caught playing the ball into the back by Simon Adingra. Alexis McAllister, Brighton ex-player, was the one who gave the ball away. Adingra came forward, then finished it into the net where Allison just could not do much to cut off the angle. Uh, Liverpool straight up caught with their pants down. Uh, in the 39th, Liverpool break down the center with a chance made from nothing. Nunez to Elliott, who did well to notice Salah, was behind him, played it to the Egyptian, and he finished away to the left past Verbruggen, who's back in ahead of Jason Steele. In the 42nd, Brighton got caught playing out of the back as well. This was just two chan- two um, displays of, of really good pressing. Pascal Gross pulled down... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they got caught playing out of the back. Gross pulled down Sobosly, who found himself with the ball. Uh, and Salah stepped up to the marker. A penalty was awarded. This was a great day to have Salah on your fantasy team. Uh, of course, that is me. Uh, in the 53rd, another really great chance to start the second half. Sobosly flashed the ball across the net. It bounced to Gravenberch, who put an effort uh, on net, but he just clipped the bar. They They really could have done with this one falling in, especially when things started to break down. Um... Uh, 69th, Brighton appealed for a penalty in the box. It, it had bounced off of Van Dyke's knee and into his hand. This is no call. Uh, there's not going to be a call here this season for this kind of thing. Uh, the, the incidental contact with the ball from a hand that bounces off of another body part just doesn't get called anymore unless it favors Manchester City and then it gets called. Um, that's We'll talk about that another time. The Zerbi got a yellow for descent. Uh, he checked that tiny little screen on the side where the fourth official stands uh, and started bitching at him. So he got a yellow. Uh, then March drew a free kick on the edge of the area. He traveled a really long way uh, to the foot of Lewis Dunk. 2-2. Robbo really needed to get to this one. He had a chance, but he decided to pull his foot back and just let it get to Dunk. He, he has to do better to get his, his body on that. If it's a shoulder, if it's a head, or even his foot, he could have got up to it, and he just didn't do it. And he cost me seven hundred bucks. I had I had mm. like an eight, I had an eight legger in. I had everything right from from football to this football to NFL to MLB, and I, I had Liverpool. Man, they couldn't do it. Um, in the eighty third, Jao Pedro missed a sitter from the six. This was nasty. This one could have been three points for Brighton, and he just blew it right over. Um. In general, a really great game, end-to-end. Both teams looked great on the attack and poor in defense, which we've talked about at length already this season. But it finished the way it should, I think, at at 2-2. Yeah, I was just looking the last time 
Liverpool beat Brighton was March 2022. They've only beaten them once out of the last six meetings. So this is this is all deserving ball. What's going on here? Um, tough on the day for them both to share points where they are in the league. Liverpool sit fourth right now on 17. Brighton six or yes yeah, six on 16. Both teams are playing very well at the moment, proven to be strong teams to consider for top four finish. Uh, most solid doing his thing. Um, Liverpool had to play Nunes up top due to the suspension of Jota and the injury to Gakpo. So we'll see if that continues on uh, with Jota coming back. Mm, not too much really. To add. I didn't really catch too much of the match. Saw a little bit of the highlights. But uh, yeah, I, the, the main thing I saw was Klopp saved Deserby from getting a second yellow because he was going after the fourth official. And uh, Klopp went over into hit to Deserby's technical box and just pulled him away. Because yep. <laughs> obviously Klopp's, Klopp's had a lot of his own incidents with uh, referees. Uh, he's not one to shy away from to speaking his mind to them. So yeah, both both highly qualified teams to finish high in the league, and with respected managers as well, they 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 can split the split the spoils on the day and go into a break hoping to improve on this. Yeah. Um. Okay. West Ham two, Newcastle two. The Hammers struck first against Newcastle, who were coming off a gargantuan win against Mbappe and PSG at St James Park in the midweek. Uh, in the eighth, West Ham scored on their first attack of the game. Ball went to Paqueta, who beat Pope um, nicely, really. I mean, that takes a lot of, of um, attention to where the goalkeeper is to beat him there, especially with how big he is. He squared it to Suchek in the center, who scored a tap-in. Great positioning from him and really from Paqueta as well. Uh, a nice build-up for West Ham to shock the Magpies early. Uh, West Ham missed again after Alvarez, Edson Alvarez, stooped low to put a header on frame. Just scoot wide. In the 51st, Areola, uh, 55th, Areola made a great save to deny Dan Byrne. Ball was lifted in by Isak, and a good header was put on it, but Areola did quite well to get it out of danger uh, by deflecting it to one of his own defenders. And then finally, things came uh, for Newcastle. In the 56th, Isak thumped in the equalizer off of a trippier free kick from a relatively undangerous area. Aguirre bounced it uh, to Isak. He was trying to clear it, but sweet, the Swede did well to take his time and finish nicely. Uh, and then in the 61st, one of the better goals of the weekend, just an unreal one-touch display of football from the Magpies led to another Isak goal. Uh, trippier received it on the, the right flank, tapped it to Isak in the air, who also just one-touched it right past Areola. Unbelievable positioning, unbelievable assist. Uh, that was orgasmic and, and really good poaching by Isak. Uh, 79, James Ward-Prowse tried to draw things level with a free kick, but he went right above. That one was crushed, curling just too high. Um, and then in the 88, Suchek assisted new boy Mohamed Kudus, who scored an absolute belter on the edge of the box. Uh, what a left foot on him. Nothing Pope could do as the ball was actually first rifled into the ground. You don't see this all that much, but Kudus just banged it into the ground and it like skips off low. Uh, that's like a, like a golf shot when you hit one of those low spinny wedges. And this was just a really good finish uh, that didn't really get enough shine. Didn't see it replayed all that many times. Bowen had a chance in the 90th, almost got to him, but it went just wide. Points are shared in a very good game between two teams who fought extremely hard. Yeah, last year we saw West Ham have massive issues. They only scored 42 goals in all 38 games. And up to this year, with only eight games played so far, they've scored 15. So it seems like after that Conference League win, selling Rice, reinvesting in the squad has really proven to their benefit. And they're competing with the with the likes of Newcastle here in tough competition. The, they're sitting seventh on 14 points, four wins, two draws, two defeats. Those two defeats are to Liverpool and Man City. So it's seeming like they're they're going to be a tough team to contend with this year, and ultimately should be pushing for potentially even a, a European position if you could say, um, or if you can even think about that after what you thought at the start of the year, Evan. But yeah, yeah, that ah, seems like yeah. they uh, they've turned it around. We'll see when fixtures start adding up and. They obviously are in Europa League, just like uh, Newcastle are with the Champions League, and both are both are positive in there right now. The two positive results for both of them. Um, I think Newcastle lead their group with four points. So, 
Um, that's shocking as well. Beating PSG, still can't believe that. But yeah, it was a great result for both teams. Both teams can move on, just like the last one with Brighton at Liverpool. Uh, they live to fight another day and can't really take too many negatives out of this with all your key players playing well. Yeah. Um, tell us about Wolves versus Aston Villa. Uh, uh, Midlands Derby. You forget sometimes these mid-table, uh, not as highly, rep, uh, not highly, rep, re, was it? The, the high reputation of these clubs isn't as high, so you don't really know all their derbies, but this was a massive one. Uh, ended 1-1 here. Uh, it was at Wolves in the Molyneux. A lot of cards in this game. We saw a double yellow for Lamina in the 93rd minute. He's out for the next game. Um, but, yeah, it was, I think, seven or eight cards altogether. Yeah. Uh, busy day for the official. We didn't see a goal until the 53rd minute. Uh, Pedro Neto, their key man, going down the right side, cutting it across. Huang Hee Chan scoring his fourth goal on the season, leads the team. Got them the lead. Instant reply from Villa, though, in the 55th. Ball built up. Played out to the top right of the box. Ollie Watkins put a nice loft across to the back post for Pau Torres scoring his first goal for the club there. In the league, equalized it. Um, we saw Musa Diaby pick up a knock and was subbed out in the 62nd for Zaniola, who had a chance late on to get the winner but missed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was back and forth. And I saw in the highlights the very end in like the nine, 100th minute, Ollie Watkins had a chance on a cross, headed it, hit yeah. off the post. And it ended 1-1. They split the spoils. That puts Villa in fifth position with 16 points uh, above Brighton on goal differential. And that gives Wolves uh, three straight wins on Beaton uh, in 14th with eight points. So uh, we were thinking Wolves were going to have a hard start to the year after disappointing performances every week. And now it seems like the defense is solidifying up. Uh, They're still yet to find themselves multiple clean sheets. I think they only have one there against Everton. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the rest of the year goes for them. But Gary O'Neill, after beating Man City, surprisingly, giving them their first defeat, uh, keeps the boys' morale up high here. Yep. Um, okay, last game of the week. Arsenal 1, Manchester City 0. This is the first time Manchester City have suffered consecutive league defeats in five years. I was a sophomore in college. I've been out of college for two years now. The last time they lost two league games in a row. They lost against Wolves last week, and then finally we conquered our Goliath. Um, but this was not the game everyone was looking for. It's not like the other Arsenal, City's game, Arsenal City games that we've seen recently. It was actually extremely ugly. Holland made zero effect on the game. He got pocketed by Saliba, who might be the best defender in the world. I, I don't think I'm being, I don't think I'm being ridiculous either. I'm seeing it all over the place. Um, Bernardo Silva was playing defensive midfield. Arsenal started Jorginho, no Saka, Martinelli on the bench. Havertz not in the team. A bench assist for him. Um, one of the most terrible performances games that I've seen from teams of this caliber in a long time. And it all comes down to the way that Mikel opted to set up the team and play tactically. The goal was to not worry about the flanks, not, not press it out there to Saka and to Martinelli. Saka's injured, obviously. So that's part of why he wasn't in the team. But it was to close down the space in the midfield and not give City enough time and, and, and space to get the link up set up between Holland and whoever else was going to be supplying him the ball. Alvarez was totally neutralized. Holland was totally neutralized. Um, and the entire game plan was to wait for a mistake. And that's what City did. That's what we did. And that's part of why the game was no fun to watch. I have a video that I I want uh, to, I'll have to tweet it out. I watched it from the athletic, very just fascinating in terms of what the game plan was from the two managers and Mikel somehow or another figured it out, figured out what Pep was trying to do and just totally neutralized it. The goal came from just a, a moment of ecstasy. Partey was a sub lobbed the ball in 
uh, to Tomiyasu, another sub, who tapped it to Havertz, another sub, who then dropped it to Martinelli, who was the final sub. He rifled a shot in from the outside of the box that probably wasn't doing anything, but God intervened. He moved Ake towards it, and he tapped it right into the net past Ederson. It was too late at this point for City to come back. Arsenal won, and we finally conquered our Goliath. The Emirates erupted, uh, but there's a long way to go. A great three points, but a really disappointing game, I think, for, for all of the people that were expecting the shootout. Yeah, and you could see it from the players' reaction after the final whistle, dropping to their knees, and as you mentioned, pure ecstasy, just happy that they finally got one over them. Arteta finally beats his his uh, his master, his professor, however you want to put it. Finally beats him in the league, where it it, it matters. This is what they could have used last year, could have helped them win the title last year, but now. Puts them a foot up, two points ahead of Man City there. Also tied on points with Spurs, as we talked about at the start. Uh, it's good, and they still are unbeaten. We'll see how long they can stretch that out to. But, um, yeah, it, it was surprised me. Um, ultimately, you could argue, if you're a Man City person, they weren't at full strength, neither were Arsenal. This isn't the top-tier match that you would have wanted, as you said already, but we'll see later in the year when all their guys are back. De Bruyne's fit, Rodri... Uh, Saka, Martinelli's fit. We'll see what then if if fingers crossed we can get that, but we'll see at that point what it really happens. But yeah, it, it turns up in your favor here. You, you, I'm sure you were absolutely hyped. I was. And, uh, we'll we'll be buzzing until well throughout the international break. Yeah, it's nice to see City below below us. You know, we saw it last season for a while, but that was with the game in hand, and you knew that that game was coming up. We couldn't enjoy it, but now Arsenal and Tottenham are the only two teams in England who are undefeated at this point this season. Great stuff. Um, hopefully, you know what would be terrible for the brand is if Tottenham were to win the league and remain undefeated. And then we wouldn't be the only team to win a Premier League season undefeated. That that would be horrible. For Tottenham to become the second invincible team would be, uh, it would be crippling. That's nightmare fuel for you. That is nightmare fuel. Um, it's really hard to hate this Tottenham team, but if this is the way it's going to be this season, and maybe City struggle until KDB comes back, I don't think that's the case. But let's say it is. Um my hate for Tottenham will almost surely uh, be re-sparked. You know, I, I used to really hate them when them and us were kind of battling on the edge of the, you know, the table or the edge of the top four. And now both of these teams being really good, like I'm sure some of that, that hatred, um, despite my, my great friendship with Kyle, will start to, uh, you know, sort of show up again. Yeah, your next Arsenal's next five in the league are Chelsea away, Sheffield at home, uh, away to Newcastle, home to home to, against Burnley, and then away to Brentford. Yeah, Tottenham's next five in the league. They're home to Fulham, away to Palace, home to Chelsea, away to Wolves, and then home to Villa, and then that one after they're at Man City at the beginning yeah. of December. So, so we certainly have an easier easier run of five games. No, no question about that. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, injuries ultimately can change the fate of your season. Yeah, as we've seen with many, many examples throughout the past few seasons, um, what it can do to your to your team, and it's just what what you can do. What, that's what the transfer market's there for. How how much can you add? How much depth can you add to your team to really get things going in case of an emergency? And we're seeing with Arsenal, they have a few guys that can help there. And Ketia Trossard, you give the likes of Smith Rowe and. Reese Nelson minutes, they can help in the attack. And then uh, Man City can do the same thing. And Tottenham, Tottenham yet to see. We're seeing the, they they have a lot of their, well, they haven't had any major injuries yet. They have a, scare, a couple scares to Madison, but they've been pretty fit. And we'll see when they're really tested with the Ange ball with those backup guys, if they can still put out the same product. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's do, uh, let's do our... Uh, appreciated and and slandered players of the week, yeah. Yeah, uh, let me open it up here. Let's start off with our uh, Stephen A. Worst player of the week. I am having a very bad day. I am in no mm. Yeah. So uh, Zach here had 
Bournemouth's attack. Uh, five goals on the season, zero goals in the last two games. Their chance creation is lacking. Wingers and mids are rotated weekly, yet a lack of production. Uh, I think that's a pretty good contender there. Uh, what would you say, Evan? Where are you leaning towards this week? Um, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards uh, the the pitch in the Fulham and Sheffield United game. I think I think I gotta give it to the pitch, man. They they did my boy Basham dirty. I don't know if he's gonna be able uh to, to come back and play anytime soon. So I'm um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the worst performer of the week to uh the uh Craven Cottage ground. Old stadium. I hate to see that. Yeah, um, I wasn't fortunate enough to see too much of the action. I was away at my own little tournament. We unfortunately didn't do too well, but still managed to get a win on Sunday in like a consolation game. Um, I'm, I'm leaning more towards the the Burnley side here. Giving up four goals to Chelsea is really sad. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with that. Dakil, the center back from Burnley, who gave us that own goal to get the boys going and really just set off a firework uh, in Chelsea's pants to really get things going. So I'm going to go with him. Okay. All right. And then on the flip side from Eli. I'm the best man. I did it. Hmm. You want to lead us off here? Yeah, it's got to be Raheem Sterling. Uh, every day yeah. of the week. I mean, I, I wouldn't wouldn't even be upset if you and Zach both picked Sterling as well. I think he was that good uh, on the day. Chelsea, just every single play, uh, your bit of attacking play stemmed from, from Raza. I think he had an unbelievable game, and he's clearly upset about being left out of that England squad. Um, he was just immense on the day, and I think we, we have to give it to, to Raheem Sterling. Yeah, he was definitely one of my top two candidates for sure. Um, I would have said if you didn't. Um, Zach's going with McTominay. Uh, obviously, the two goals at stoppage time securing a clutch home win. Uh, improves the morale going into international break and keeps press off back for the break. Um, I don't know about that last part, but we'll see. Um, uh, I guess since you took Sterling, I'm going to go with a different one. I'll go with Ducore from Everton. Um, he's been playing great. He's their talisman in the middle. Uh, got a goal again here against Bournemouth. He had five total shots, three on target, driving factor in the midfield. Honorable mention to James Gardner as well. Yeah, um, he's been playing well. So, but I think I'm gonna go with Ducore. He's been putting up great numbers, both um, stats wise in the in real life and also fantasy points wise. He's been crushing it. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, and then we will move to our previews. Actually, no, I suppose we won't, um, will we? We would do that next week. We I got the yeah. we got the international break, so potentially could be maybe bring back a quiz or something next week. Yeah, and the second half could be a preview. Maybe get Zach back on here for that. I'm sure because he loves the quiz. So uh, yeah, maybe that could be something to work for next week. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, well. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, I have a very tight fantasy matchup uh, on Monday Night Football that I need to go watch. So thank you guys for listening, um, and we will see you all next week. See ya.